I'm so glad to be with you again as we open the pages of God's Word. We live in a very, very entertainment-based era within the Western Church. You won't find that probably in Africa or China, certainly not in North Korea, or in the places of Eastern Europe. The tremendous appetite of Western European, Anglo-Saxon, American believers is we want to be thrilled. We want to be excited. We want to be entertained. But you know, when we get to heaven and we're standing in the presence of God and we're gazing upon his glory and are transformed into a, an eternal being, as it were, washed in the blood as we are now, clothed in righteousness as we are now, but also enveloped in glory, which is that which is to come. When we're in that state, we won't be remembering too much about the exhilaration of the entertainment that we enjoyed in church. All the snappy preachers, people that were able to lift us up and excite us and then we had to go and find our way in life and try and remember what we'd been told. No, we who are the redeemed, those that are born again of the Spirit of God, those that have pursued God, sought God, longed for God, and traced God and had a revelation of God through the Scriptures, will be thanking God that we were fed and we fed ourselves on the word of the living God. The word of God says these words, that heaven and earth will pass away, but God says, my word will never pass away. And that's the vision that we have here in sharing the word of God in these podcast studies. They're simple, they're straightforward, they're unadorned, we're not trading on personalities or rhetoric of any kind or great stories or anything like that that may be sort of deduced as being entertainment. We want to lay foundations. We want to build on those foundations. And how we do it is by teaching line upon line, precept upon precept, the word of God. Now, we've been talking in our former episodes about cries from the pig pen. And we talked about those pig pens that are so apparent. They're so obvious. We talked about the man of Gadara, who was brought out of the most horrific bondage to demon power. We talked on another occasion in another episode of those that were in bondage in other ways, shape and form. All of those pig pens, like the prodigal, like the man of Gadara, they were in pig pens that we could look at and feel, oh gosh, we don't want to be part of that. We don't want to live in that squalor. We don't want to live with that mess and that mire and that terrible degradation. And most of us would agree that sin brings that sort of degradation. It brings us down. It robs us of our dignity. It soils and defiles our mind and also 
brings our conscience into a warped sort of dramatic sense of dread, regret and shame. That truly is, understandably, a pig pen. The Bible says, all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. And so we've all been in a pig pen. But some of us have lived in a respectable pig pen. Now, how could you be in a pig pen that's respectable? Quite easily, easily. When we read the New Testament, we see that the Apostle Paul lived with a tremendous awareness that he had been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's Son. He knew that transaction and that transition was absolutely miraculous. And so it is with our lives. And some of us haven't been in the pig pen of Gadara or the pig pen that the prodigal was wallowing in and suffering in. Some of us have, haven't got those deep wounds that others have had because of their vulnerability to sin or their yieldedness to sin, to the habits and the controlling vices that they once were driven by and addicted to. Some of us have lived very respectable lives. And yet, like the Apostle Paul, who lived a very, very God-honouring life, he came to a point of revelation that he was living in the most squalid of all pig pens. He was living in the pig pen of self-righteousness. A righteousness that he had confidence in as a righteousness that came from keeping the law of God. And that's why he opposed the early church, because they spoke of a freedom and a release and a liberty that he knew nothing of. His whole life was given to striving and seeking perfection by keeping away from sin and adhering to the commandments of God. And there's no one that's going to question his motivation or his sincerity. But you see, God realises that the law is absolutely unattainable for mankind. Galatians says that the law is a schoolmaster that points to us and then points to sin and the sin in us and the sin that Christ bore on the cross. The law says to me, Tony, you are a failure. You are lost. You are condemned. You have sinned. You come short of the glory of God. The law makes me realize my inability to be righteous out of my own nature because I am saturated with the motivation and the bias towards sin. The thoughts that I have are confined through sin. The appetites that I have are enthused and enlarged because of sin. What a terrible pig pen. 
We think that some of the pig pens are play pens when we first get into them, and then we realise that we are overcome and bound and fettered and chained, and we're no different. In fact, in some ways, we're worse than the man of Gadara. You see, he came and fell before Jesus immediately when Jesus began to walk up the shoreline of Gadara. He fell. He fell at his feet because of recognition of the Son of God. But when you live in a respectable pig pen, like self-righteousness, you have the greatest sin of all, and that is to be conscious of none. You say to yourself, well, I have need of nothing, just like the church at Laodicea. I'm rich. I'm good. I'm righteous. I don't do bad things. I'm not like those. And that echoes that man that stood in the temple. And he saw a bent-over sinner beating his breast and saying to God, Oh, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And the self-righteous man said, Oh, I thank God I'm like him. I'm not like that man bowed down with sin and shame and guilt and pain. And Jesus said, Oh, dear, how wretched self-righteousness is. You don't know how corrupt you are. And we don't know how corrupt we are until we have that revelation of the Spirit that Jesus promised in the Upper Room Discourse when he said, when the Spirit is come, he will convince you, he will convict you of sin. And then the great chasm that's between sin and righteousness. And the consequence of not being righteous is judgment. And that is the first part of the glorious gospel of Jesus, that we are lost that we are undone, that we are without hope when we are without Christ in the world. And that makes us cry out, what must I do to be saved? How can I be saved? How can I be released from the body of this death that is within me, decaying me, destroying me, defiling me? keeping me from a relationship and an intimacy with God who is holy? And of course the answer is, I am the way, the truth and the life, and no man comes to the Father but through me. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses from all sin. Now we read in quite a few books, the book of Colossians, the book of Second Corinthians, and the book of Philippians, how, how deeply Paul was affected by this transition from darkness, from the pig pen of ignorance and iniquity, into the kingdom of God's dear Son. And he says, oh, the wonderful grace of God. When he writes to the church at Philippi, a church that he loved and cherished, he wrote these words, Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. That's found in the third chapter. Beware of the mutilation. 
Now, what's he talking about, mutilation? Well, he's talking about those that crept into the church and said, you really need to be born again. You have to be circumcised after the manner of the law. And, of course, many subscribed to that and submitted to that. And, of course, the Galatian churches were absolutely buffeted by this false doctrine that it was Christ plus the law that brought salvation to the soul. But Paul, having had this not glimpse but a revelation and been enveloped in that revelation of the glorious gospel of Jesus, said, no, it's Christ plus nothing. Christ is all in all. Christ is the only way, the only truth, and the only life. And in him alone, faith in him alone, will give us that assurance of life eternal. And he says in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 3, we are the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit, You see, salvation is of the Lord and it is totally and completely and only a work of the regenerating Spirit of God who quickens us, who, having convicted us, quickens us and and gives grace or an understanding of the grace of Jesus Christ. And that's why Paul goes on to say, and we have no confidence in the flesh. And then he says, now, woo, 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 just a moment. If there was anybody among you that had confidence in the flesh, if anyone thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. And he talks about his own pedigree as far as the law was concerned, as far as Judaism was concerned. He said, uh, <laughs> I, I was circumcised on the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. Concerning the law, well, I was a Pharisee. Concerning zeal, I even put the church to the sword. I persecuted it. Concerning righteousness, living an upright life, which is in the law, I was absolutely blameless. No man could point a finger at me and say, you're a failure, because I was out and out and out and out for God and his holiness, and that was my passion. But then he talks about what happened after he was converted, or in the process of being converted. He said, What things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Jesus Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. Three times he says, I absolutely jettisoned, I cast away from myself all confidence in the flesh. 
And then he goes on to say, and in the King James Version, 1611, it says there in this third chapter of Philippians, he says, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as dung. Now, I think the New King James Version just says, I count them as rubbish. You see, self-righteousness to Paul was as filthy rags, just like you would be living in a pig pen, living with the rubbish, living with the dung of the pigs. Oh, he said, I've put away all hope, all confidence, all reliance on the law that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness which is from God by faith. Oh, that I may therefore know him and the power of his resurrection or regeneration being raised from the dead, being raised from darkness, being led out of that darkness, away from the putrefying sores of living in the self-righteous pig pen. Oh, that I may know the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. So it's wonderful to, to realise that as Titus 3.5 says, not by the works of righteousness which we have done, but by his mercy he has saved us. Oh yes, we're to walk circumspectly, carefully, not as fools, being born again, coming out of a pig pen, doesn't mean that we are going to just be haphazard with our living and our confidence and our faith and say, oh, well, the Lord saved me. I can be and do whatever I want. Oh, no, we're walking according to this wonderful regulation of faith. And our desire is to please him, serve him, honour him and reflect him in everything we do. All this terrible self-righteousness that comes. And in the next book across from Philippians is Colossians. And Colossians talks very much about the same thing because the churches in that region of Colossae were also being buffeted by this false gospel. That is, that you believe in Jesus, you accept him as your Lord, and then, having done so and being baptised, you then struggle to attain to the law. And we've met people like that in our day and age. People who say, oh yes, you must receive Jesus. That's right. But then, to prove that you're a Christian, you've got to keep the law. Well, the liberty and the law of Christ Jesus, which is liberty from bondage is that he comes within our being and the power of his resurrected life 
transforms us from the renewing of our mind, that means our attitudes, our outlook, our disposition, our appetites. We are changed by the power of God. And that is progressive. Salvation and redemption is instantaneous. But discipleship is progressive. And we are day by day growing in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. When we turn to Colossians, we find here in verse 1 that he says these words, Do you know that I've had great conflict for you? And for those in Laodicea, for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love and attaining to all riches of the full assurance of understanding and to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And then he goes on to say, As you therefore received Christ, so walk in him. That's verse 6. Rooted and built up in him and established, made strong in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. And beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. Well, what is the basic condition of the world? Well, it's cause and effect. In other words, you do this and you get that. In fact, in the words of Ephesians, it's works. In other words, if I do the right thing, God will bless me. If I live a holy life, God will save me. If I am righteous, God will be pleased and will pour out his benevolence on me. He said this is the basic tradition that governs our lives. And friends, that is a pig pen because we are constantly battling the flesh. I want to be good. I want to do right. I want to please God. I want to serve him. But I find another law raging within me. We read all about that in Romans chapter 7. He said, Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God, Jesus Christ. And that's where the focal point is. The deliverance from the pig pen of self-righteousness, self-effort and self-worth based on pleasing your conscience by doing good works, the way of escape from those bondages is Jesus Christ and faith in him. And that's exactly what we read in verse 6 of Colossians chapter 2. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. May I ask you, how did you receive Jesus Christ? 
Well, you received him by faith. You received him in simplicity of trust. And when you did, you were born again. And the peace of God came into your heart. And you had effective from that moment on a relationship with God. And you walk in him in newness of life. And so Paul says, don't get caught up with these false teachers who say to you, yes, receive Christ, yes, be baptized, and then struggle, strain and be stressed as you try to conform by your own self-effort to be what Jesus wants you to be. That doesn't work. That's not the gospel of grace. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy, empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. Verse 9, chapter 2, Colossians. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him. I turn back to the wonderful, sometimes confronting book of 2 Corinthians. And in 2 Corinthians, we have this tremendous comment and statement made by Jesus. Well, it's not really a by Jesus, but it ties in with what Jesus says. It's the Apostle Paul, and he says these words, Oh, that you would bear with me in a little folly. And indeed, you do bear with me, for I am jealous for you with godly jealousy. How does that tie in with Jesus? When the rich man came, or the ruler, as some translations have it, he came to Jesus and he said, What shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, you keep the commandments. Love God, love your parents, and so on. Or he says, all of these I have done from my youth. And then Jesus does exactly what the law does. He says, aha, one thing you lack. You have got a bondage in your pit of self-righteousness. Go and sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and then in simplicity, follow me. And the man said, I can't do that. And he went away sorrowful. And Jesus was sorrowful because he loved that young man. He loved the zeal. He loved the tenacity of desire that the young guy had. But he couldn't offer him a false hope in sticking to the law and living out of his own nature, which proved to be corrupt when he wouldn't give up that one thing that stood between him and the Lord. So the Apostle Paul's saying the same thing. He says here, I betrothed you, O Corinthians, to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear lest somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve 
by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. In other words, there must be nothing between. And you are free, and you are completely free when you say, all to Jesus, I surrender. All to him, I freely give. My faith, my confidence, my assurance, my reliance is on him. Not on me, because my righteousness will fall short of the glory of God. And I'll be living, living forever in a pig pen of self-righteousness. Thank you.